Zillow Texans, Mark Vandermeer, John Harris, and because it's Thursday night, the General John McClain joins us. And let's get right to it, gentlemen. Injury report. I hate beginning the show with the injury report, but it's breaking news, so you got to get into it. And most notable on today's injury report, Denzel Perriman, who was a full participant yesterday, did not participate with a knee injury today. Sheldon Rankins limited yesterday. No go today with the elbow and shoulder problems. No new injury listed there, but he did not participate. And Dalton Schultz, who was limited yesterday, did not practice today. Those three are big, in my opinion. I think Rankins is an underrated big factor here. Hopefully he can go tomorrow. Sometimes guys take a Thursday off and they're back at it Friday. We'll see. Tomorrow's is the big one. But, General, what do you make of this? And what do you make of the whole situation as the Texans head to the New York metropolitan area to face the Jets Sunday at noon? Good evening. Well, since you started off with so much negativity, I'll (laughs) add a little positivity. John, if I had seen any more sugar last night or today, I would have gagged. All the praise for Mark Vandermeer and the job he did as the MC for the 50th anniversary of the Lombardi Award, won by Latu pass rushing in from UCLA. It was a tremendous event. Mark did a great job, as he always does, and the people were all blown away. So anyway, how about that for a little positivity? I and love the it, ne- General. Yeah. Yeah. And for the negativity, Schultz is the one. He practiced yesterday on a limited basis, not today. That's not good. You know, when you see guys get hamstring injuries and they leave a game, they don't generally they don't they they don't generally miss just one game. And mm. Brevin Jordan really stepped up. And with Tank Dell gone for the season, they need everybody to take pressure now off Nico Collins. I don't know. John, does Sauce Gardner take the best receiver all over the field or stay on the same side of the field? If I remember correctly, he typically stays on the same side of the field because DJ Reed's pretty darn good too. So he, if I remember correctly, Sauce is a left-sided guy, uh, left side. But you never know. With Nico Collins, the matchup might be better that he does travel with him, John. Yeah, there's a lot of panic about Tank Dell being out, and there should be because he led the team with seven touchdowns. But against the Broncos, Tank didn't catch a pass. Dalton Schultz didn't catch a pass. Neither did Noah Brown or Robert Woods. And Stroud still threw for 274 yards. And Nico's one of the, only the fourth receiver in team history to have at least 190, and he's nine away from his first 1,000-yard season. He's moving closer and closer to a lucrative contract extension in the offseason. So I can't wait to see how they play him. Do they put Sauce Gardner on him by himself, or do they double-team him? And they really need Noah Brown to step up and play the way he played before he got hurt this last time when he had the fantastic back-to-back games. And uh, so that I think Sheldon Rankins will play. But the one when I saw that injury report today about not practicing, I think if you're a Texan fan, the one you need to worry about the most is Dalton Schultz. When he comes back, whether it's Sunday or the next game against the Titans, you know they'll run. I think Bobby Sloick will run quite a bit of two tight end formations. Yeah, they definitely need the New Jersey native Noah Brown to step up in New Jersey. He's going to have a bunch of family mm-hmm. there. So uh, we'll all get wet, but that that's okay. General, what do you make of the Jets' Going back to 
Zach Wilson and all the hubbub at the beginning of the week about how he was unsure about it and all that. What do you kind of make of all that and Wilson being the starter on Sunday? From what Ruth Samini from uh, ESPN said on NFL radio after the Athletic had that story that he didn't want to play because he's worried about getting hurt for the offseason, he said it wasn't like he went to Sala or the coaches and said he wasn't going to do it, said he mentioned it to somebody in the building about the possibility and then just mushroomed. Now he's back in the lineup. He denied it. Sala denied it. So I'll tell you what, it would behoove the Texans to have an interception on the first series, whether it's Derek Stanley Jr. continuing his torrid pace or Steven Nelson or anybody because the fans will turn on him. All week they've been talking about he doesn't want to play. He's worried about getting hurt. And you know those fans are going to be in a bad mood anyway because this team in a five-game winning losing streak, They've scored two offensive touchdowns. They averaged 14 points a game. Last time they scored more than 13 was October. So they're offensively challenged, and it's because of the quarterbacks and the offensive line. They might be the only team in the league that can rival the Texans for injuries in the offensive line, but their line has done a terrible job of run blocking and pass protecting. So if they can get to Wilson early, whether it's Jonathan Bernard, Will Anderson Jr., uh, Derek Stingley, whoever, Blake, Blake Cashman going against the team that didn't want him, uh, he's got the revenge factor. That could work into their favor. You know, you guys are going to get low 60s, a 70% chance of rain, and you know it always, the wind blows in that stadium. So it's not it's conducive to being able to run the ball. And the Jets do have the 28th worst run defense in the NFL, but the Broncos had the worst, and the Texans still can't run it. So does that mean, General, you think the streak of eight consecutive games coming down to the wire stays intact and we go to nine, or do you think somehow the Texans get a two-score or more lead in this one late and bury them or do whatever they need to do to win decisively? Hey, I think if they have a one-score lead in this game, then because their defense has played really well, yes, it's given up some explosive plays, but they're going to shut down the run. Brees Hall's become more of a receiver. He's had at least five catches, I think, in four games in a row. And uh, it's going to come down, Can they, who's going to cover Garrett Wilson? Uh, they'll throw a lot of short passes to Hall, who's a great receiver out of the backfield. But the Texans shut down the Broncos running backs. Russell Wilson hurt them. So I think it'll come down to the quarterbacks. And if they get one touchdown lead, two would be almost heaven sent. Zach Wilson is not going to bring them from behind to beat the Texans. This game is a must-win situation. If the Jaguars lose, they could be tied for first. If the Jaguars and the Colts win and the Texans lose, they'll be uh, in third or second place behind both teams, so it's paramount they win this game. And I think the key is do what they did Sunday. Don't turn it over, but I do think it'll come down to the end. Hopefully, you know, you'd love to have a little breather, but I don't. I think they relish these situations. Eight in a row, no score by more than seven points, no game settled outside of 30 seconds. All right, Jim, we're going to talk about the Jaguars in a little bit because of that whole Trevor Lawrence tricky knee situation, but – with We talked a little bit. You asked me about Sauce. So I want to ask you about Sting and the development of Derek Stingley Jr. 
back healthy, four picks in three games at home. Your thoughts about what Derek's just health has meant not only to him but to this defense to have him 100% healthy? You know, he's well-rested, that's for sure. He missed six this year, nine last year. He watched Sauce Gardner. Everybody talks sauce, sauce, sauce. He's so much better than Stingley. And even though Stingley, as quiet as he is to us, would never admit it, you know this game's important to him. Of course he wants to win, but he wants to play big. And you know Sauce Gardner does. You know, you're talking about the champ and the challenger. It's too bad those guys can't play against each other. But I can't wait to see what they do. And the thing about Stingley, he's playing to run well. He's physical. And those those interceptions, one on his knees that Will Anderson Jr. tipped, and the other one is as good as you'll ever see, acrobatic. Um, that stood out. He's gotten a lot of attention all over the country, which is great for him. And I tell you, from a personal standpoint, this game is so important for Will Anderson Jr. because he's closing the gap on uh, Jalen Carter for defensive rookie of the year. Texans are trying to do what the Jets did last year, have offensive and defensive rookies of the year. And Anderson was fantastic. And if he does it up there in front of the New York, New Jersey media mm. that has a lot of votes, on the committee that determines those awards, this would be perfect timing. Do just like Denver, win a game and have Will Anderson Jr. and Derek Stingley Jr.'s, the juniors, play great. Mm-hmm. That would be nice. And Derek Stingley Jr. with the AFC Defensive Player of the Week honors. Will Anderson, two sacks last week, has five. That was J.J. Watt's number, his rookie year. Mario had four, so... He's on a tear right now. We'll see how he finishes up. And speaking of finishing up, General, D'Amico Ryan's in contention for Coach of the Year. Look, I know that this campaign is about so much more than that, but we talk about these things. So tell me, what are his chances of winning this award? I know a lot of work has to be done before uh, he qualifies officially, before anybody qualifies. But Shane Steichen looks pretty good right now. I don't know how they finish up. Give me some other candidates. How do you feel about D'Amico's chances of winning Coach of the Year? Barring a collapse by the Texans, I think Nick Casario is a lot to be voted executive of the year and D'Amico coach. It's interesting. That last game could come down to making the playoffs at, at Indianapolis. It could come down to who wins the coach of the year. and But mm. the favorite still, the betting favorite in Vegas is Dan Campbell, which I don't understand because they turned it around midway through last year. They were really good over the second half. They were favored to win the division, the NFC North, and the Texans were not favored to do anything but have the second overall pick behind Arizona, which was supposed to mean the Cardinals get the first and second picks to get Caleb Williams and Marvin Harrison Jr. Those plans are not working out. And I know I'm partial to D'Amico, but and Shane Steichen's do a good, he's done a good job, but he hasn't had to coach a rookie quarterback. He's got a veteran that's been a starter and has won in Gardner Minshew. He's done a good job. You know, uh, uh, Ballard, Chris Ballard's done a really good job too, but I think it's so much is going to be at stake in that last game, just like it was in the last game last year. Yeah, General, you talked about Will Anderson Jr. a little while ago. We obviously talked about C.J. Stroud, the third rookie that is ranked in the top nine by PFF is Tank Dell. 
And Tank will unfortunately have a final number right there because his season is over after the broken fibula. This might be the hardest question we ask you all night, General, because I don't know that any one player replaces Tank, but how do you think the Texans' offense goes about trying to find a different layer within it without Tank? Well, it's just like I said earlier, Tank didn't catch a pass Sunday and Stroud threw 274 yards, and they won. They Stroud has helped make so many receivers this season. Noah Brown's done so much more than anybody could have visioned in those two games back-to-back. Uh, Robert Woods has been very reliable. Dalton Schultz, Brevin Jordan. Uh, even when Xavier Hutchinson has played, he's made a big play almost every opportunity he's been given. John Mechie's got a chance to step up, too. They got a lot of receivers. Stroud can throw the ball. Yes, he'll make, miss Tank seven touchdowns in his 15.1-yard average, and that means there'll be more pressure on Nico Collins, probably in the form of double teams. But I think this this passing game is so good, they can withstand the loss of any of their one receiver, not more than one, but any one receiver I don't think is going to slow down this passing game. And I use the Denver game as a good example. General, on your Utopia podcast, you and Sean were debating who to root for in the game between the Jaguars and the Browns this weekend. And I know at the time it was very, very iffy at best if Trevor Lawrence would play. And obviously who we root for has a great deal of impact on who actually wins the game. So these are very important conversations. But you tell me, are you still about better if the Jags win, knock the Browns down a peg? Or do you want to see the Jags get knocked and maybe the Texans just take care of the Browns themselves and give the Texans a better chance, as far-fetched as it might seem, to win the division? After the Jaguars play Cleveland and Baltimore, their schedule is cupcakes. And that's why I can't imagine they're going to play Lawrence and run the risk of aggravating that injury because the Texans can't finish tied with Jacksonville. they got to be ahead of them because of the tiebreakers. So that's why I'd rather see them, uh, Jacksonville win, beat Cleveland, Texans beat Cleveland, that knocks them out. You know, if it's a two-team tie, they've beaten Pittsburgh. If it's three or more, it's not head-to-head. And then, of course, they get a chance to play the Colts. But I don't see them overcome needing to finish ahead of the Jaguars with so few left. On the other hand, if Jacksonville, if, if he were to be out for more than one game, say Cleveland and Baltimore, I think the Texans would have a chance. But he's not even in a boot, and he's out throwing the ball limited. I'm guessing he's going to miss this game instead of trying to be superhuman, and then they bring him back against the Colts. General, what do the Browns do at quarterback? Joe Flacco played last week. Dorian Thompson-Robinson maybe still is shaking up. They've lost a couple in a row. The defense is starting to show some cracks in the armor. Uh, what do you think the Browns do at quarterback? Al Saunders called a, a radio station former offense coordinator head coach in the NFL and said, you're crazy if you don't go with Flacco. What do you think the Browns do at quarterback? I even know Al Saunders was still alive. John, uh, it, from the <laughs> yeah. people I talked to over there, it's up there, it's Flacco or bust. He actually looked pretty good for a guy that got off the couch and came in. He threw a really bad interception at the end of the game, but they tell me, guys have covered this team for a long time, say it's clear the offense is better off with Flacco than it was with P.J. Walker or DTR. 
because they just don't have the experience. And and he should be a little better since he's had a game to play now. I mean, he's not great. He's not even good. But he at least gives them hope. They were hopeless uh, before. John, who's the best team in the AFC? Never mind the record. Who do you got? What do you think the way it's playing out right now, where it's going from here? I think Miami is going to get tripped up when the Dolphins have to play in bad weather. They better get home field advantage because they don't want to go to Baltimore and play in January where it could have been snow and and wind, mainly wind, could really mess with that offense. I still think Baltimore, because of its balance, the Ravens' defense, really good. They got a good running game, and and that's with multiple backs plus Lamar Jackson. So I'm sticking with Baltimore, not just because I picked them to win the Super Bowl before the season. General, is everybody playing for second place because the 49ers are that good? Um, you know, the Cowboys, John, I think are going to beat the Eagles, and all their fans are going to get excited, and they should. But Dak Prescott, 6-1 and one against the Eagles at – AT&T Stadium, they had lost since like 17. So um, if the 49ers play the Eagles again in Philadelphia and the weather's, uh, well, the weather was bad anyway, it's hard to beat a good team twice in the playoffs. And I think clearly the 49ers are the best team right now. What I don't understand is how did they lose three in a row, but it might have ultimately been good for them. They've blown out the Cowboys, blown out the Eagles, blown out the Jaguars. So they've beaten three teams, two that, that are considered Super Bowl contenders. So it looks like it. If they get home field advantage in Santa Clara, and they might have won it last year if they hadn't down, weren't down to their fourth quarterback, I think they're clearly the best team. In the who should I root for department, the Patriots play the Steelers after we are done. And I guess it's got to be the Patriots because you want the Steelers to get knocked down a peg, although the Texans have them head-to-head and they're tied with them, but the Steelers are still ahead because of the other tiebreakers. Anyway, the Patriots, John. Never mind what happens tonight, although I am curious to find out what you think of tonight's game. What do you think is – how is it going to go down? How is the removal of power of the current regime going to take place in New England? How do you think it plays out? Is it the day after the season? When do we find out? This is very juicy stuff, John. I think it's great that the celebrity picker for the game day on ESPN on Saturday before the Army-Navy game is Bill Belichick. <laughs> and, uh, of course, he spent so many years in Annapolis because his dad, Steve, coached for the Navy. And I think that's just great. I think he'll be funny. He'll show people his personality that we don't ever see publicly when he's in front of the media. And, uh, you know, his de- he can still coach defense. They've had given up three games with 10 or fewer points mm-hmm. and lost all three. And Bill O'Brien was not the elixir they thought he would be with Mac Jones when he came in there. And so the thinking is that Belichick's going to be gone. And it seems like Gerard Mayo would be the one to be elevated because maybe Kraft wants to make a splash. I know I wouldn't want to go up there and take over the team and replace such a legend, but uh, everybody thinks he's gone after the season. And the only way he could return is he, he would give up some control. And you know he's not going to do that. So if he's gone, General, is he done? Is he retired? Is it over? Or 
do you think that he's taking another job? There's been rumors about the Chargers, I mean, the Giants, whatever happens with Dable, uh, the Commanders uh, with the new ownership group. What happens if Belichick is out this year? He doesn't play golf. He likes to sell, and he's got a boat, but you can't sell mm-hmm. in the winter. And uh, I think that he still wants to coach. I wouldn't imagine he wants his career in this way. And there's talk about Chicago. They're in the best situation draft-wise. They're trying to get a new stadium. If Bill Belichick came in there, even if he's 72 years old, people would be excited. And there's talk about Mark Davis and the Patriots, where one of his bosses would be Tom Brady, who they're trying to get approved as a minor partner. And people say, well, he likes the West Coast. Everybody likes the West Coast. I don't see him going to the Chargers, but wherever he goes, he's got to have total control. General managers wouldn't like it. So it would have to be a decision made by the owners, the McCaskey family in Chicago, Mark Davis might be a surprise team. You know, we know he's not going to Carolina and work for David Tepper. That's about all we can rule out. General, the Texans are one of the best stories in the league. There's no question about that. But the Packers are becoming an interesting story, and they've won three in a row. I'm not sure how good it can get for them, but Jordan Love has obviously gotten a lot better. He's improving as the season goes on. Who would have thought that if guys actually play for a while, they might get better? Hmm, interesting. But they're going to play the Giants Monday night. Where do you think it goes from here with Green Bay? they got a real legit shot to make the playoffs in the NFC. I was talking today to one of our favorite people, Gary Kubiak, about Robert Sala and D'Amico Ryans. I have a column on, on sportsradio610.com about uh, D'Amico wouldn't be coaching in this game if it wasn't for Sala. And I asked Gary about them way back when, and and he told, told so many stories. And then we got to talk about Mike McDaniel, Matt LaFleur, Kyle Shanahan. So I decided to save all the quotes except for one that I used in the column about D'Amico and Sala for another column and he was talking about Matt LaFleur and and everything he went through early with Jordan Love and everybody saying oh this kid you know he's not going to be any good they need to get quarterback and he showed patience and he stuck with him and now it's paying off in those last three games Love's been great and people are talking about them and the Vikings at six and six give me the Packers the Vikings got Josh with Dobbs and that's great. He's a great success story. But he's not playing like love. The Packers are peaking at the right time. I believe the Packers will win a wild card berth, finishing behind the Lions in uh, first place. John, Frank Reich with the Panthers and Josh McDaniels with the Raiders. They were the first two coaches to go. Who do you think is next? And how many jobs do you think are open at the end of the year? Frank Reich as uh, David Tepper called him, oh, sorry. Um, yeah. Yeah. which means he's an idiot not knowing how to pronounce his name or a bad, just a bad guy doing it on purpose to Tepper. stick it to him some more. And Reich's one of the all-time great guys. I think Ron Rivera, he's history. Everybody knows. They might put him out there as a monument because there's his, he's history. <laughs> and I, I think that's a really good job. They got a lot of draft choices, cap money of almost $100 million and a different owner, there'd be a lot of competition for that. I wonder if Belichick would want to coach uh, the commanders. Yeah. You know, he loves the military. He's to be close to Annapolis. I think that uh, if they pursued him, that'd be a good spot for him to go. And uh, 
I think Brandon Staley, how can they keep bringing back a defensive expert whose defense is so bad? Right now, their running game's not working. I think Staley's gone. Does they start over, get rid of Matt Eberflus in Chicago? Does Dennis Allen, if he loses the division, if the Bucks win, there's going to be a three-way tie for first place in the NFC South. So uh, I think Dennis Allen could be gone. He had two four and 12 seasons with the Raiders. He's had losing records here. Uh, so, and then there'll be a surprise. I had people say, well, who's going to be a surprise? I said, if I knew it wouldn't be a surprise. <laughs> uh, Jets quickly here, general, if they lose out or go five and 12 or something like that is Salah safe because this week was kind of an ugly week. It wasn't his fault. Aaron Rodgers, whatever was said or not said by Zach Wilson, the leakiness, what do you think? I bet I hope Salah's been really nice to Aaron Rodgers because he's running that team. I hope he doesn't want Nathaniel Hackett promoted. Hackett's one of the worst oh coordinators in history. And if the Texans were to lose this game against one of the worst coordinators in history, ooh, that would be bad. But I know Salah is respected by Rodgers, and I think the injury to Rodgers buys him another year. But he and Joe Douglas, their seats would be so hot they can't sit next year. All right. Well, we look forward to reading your stuff, especially the column about Rob Sala and D'Amico Ryans with the Kubiak quotes and the rest of the Kubiak stuff as well. That's awesome. General, thanks so much for joining us. We appreciate the time as always. Guys, thank you very much. I appreciate it. All right. Coming up, Johnny and I are going to play more likely to happen. And there's some more playoff talk in there. Some more Texans talk. C.J. Stroud, how will he finish statistically? Stuff like that. And J.J. Watt on the Pat McAfee show. What did he say? You want to hear it? It is coming up. It's Texans Radio. Right back to it here on Texans Radio. Mark Vandermeer and John Harris with you getting fired up for Sunday as the Texans take out the Jets at the Meadowlands. And, Johnny, it is time to play the game that we know so well. More likely to happen. More likely All right, let's to go. happen. More likely to happen. <laughs> Number one, more likely to lead the league in passing. C.J. Stroud or the field? At this point, Stroud leads the NFL with 3,540 yards. So he's less than 100 ahead of Sam Howell and Tua Tungavailoa. We have five games to go. So what do you think here? Howell only has four games to go. And Tua has the five. Goff has five, but he's back in the pack a little bit, about well, 200 or 300 short of Stroud. So it's really Stroud versus Tua or Howell if he gets hot. God, people are going to think I'm a CJ hater, which I'm absolutely not. People know that. But on extra points, I was asked over under CJ Stroud passing touchdowns one and a half. I went under. Whoa, I feel bad. And now I'm saying the field. Whoa. I just... <sighs> I want him to do it, so maybe that's part of it. I want him to do it. That'd be really cool for him to lead the league and pass. That'd be really cool passing yards. But I feel like this team has to run the ball a little bit more and run the ball a little bit more effectively over the next how many ever weeks. Plus, you're talking about two outdoor games the next couple of weeks. It could be bad weather games. So you factor that in. Hmm. That worries me a little bit that you you have that going on. Now you got two indoor games here, actually three the rest of the way, but you got those two nasty games against the Jets. You know, the Titans defense, even without Jeffrey Simmons, is gonna be tough. I'm gonna go the field only because it's kind of reverse psychology that I want him to do it. So if I go with the field, then it'll make sure that he does it. So I I'm gonna see. go with the field. So pick the Jets to win then and maybe yeah. we'll take care of business. Right. So if Stroud gets it done, 
He's the third Texan quarterback to lead the NFL in passing yards, but this has to be done. He has to clinch this at the end of the season, and this is something we're not going to put a banner up for. No. But Watson <laughs> did it in 2020, and Matt Schaub did it in 2009. Neither one of them rookies. If I heard McLean right, the last rookie to do it was Davey O'Brien in 1939. Is that correct? Uh, that sounds right. And Andrew Luck has the record, right? Andrew Luck has the record, and but he Cam didn't lead the went over 4,000 yards. But here is CJ. I mean, he just piles up the numbers. Man, this is breakneck speed. 3,540 yards. He can get to 4,000. I mean, he can conceivably do it on Sunday. But by the end of the Tennessee game, he's going to get over 4,000 yards. That does not happen around here very often. That is super cool that yep. Stroud will get to that. But winning is the most important thing. We're just talking numbers right now. Davey O'Brien, 1939. Yes, 1939. And he threw for 1,300 yards. So if you have an award named after you, that's pretty good. Yeah, I would like, think so. I don't know what the mm -hmm. Vandermeer Award would be for. I have no idea. Talking fast and making little sense. I don't know. I don't know what it would be for. All right, let's get to the next one more here. More likely to happen. All right, more likely to happen. Making the playoffs, the Browns or the Bills, Johnny? The Bills are 6-6, six and six and the Browns are 7-5. and five. Now, the Bills have something the Browns really don't have, which is a quarterback. Yep. But they have Joe Flacco, whatever the ghost of Joe Flacco is. DTR is coming back, so we'll see what they do. I don't even know. I haven't even followed them today. But they're 7-5, and five, and among their remaining games at the Houston Texans Christmas Eve. Meanwhile, the Bills, they've got that tough schedule we've been talking about where they got to take on the Chiefs, Cowboys, Chargers, Patriots. Not so tough. Yikes. And the Dolphins to round it out on the road thoughts who's going to make the playoffs between these two nobody or one or the other oh that's a, a nobody a nobody is an option i think if the bills didn't make it it would only be because that schedule is just daunting mm -hmm. I, I quite honestly read those five to me again you have them in front of you all right so it's the chiefs this sunday late uh -huh. afternoon window in kansas city yep then it's the cowboys at oh, home wow. late afternoon window december 17th on the 23rd, it's a Saturday night game. They're going to take on the Chargers in L.A. And anything can happen oh, in a Charger game. Brutal. We all know that. Then they're hosting the Patriots. Come on. Yep. And then at Miami to round it out. I think they're going to be really lucky to get to 9-8. and eight. And unfortunately, because I think 9-8, and eight, they're gonna, there's going to be a, a gaggle of teams. I don't know that they're going to have the tiebreakers. Gaggle. Um, have we decided Browns or Jaguars this weekend? Have we decided who we want? Uh, we have not decided. We talked about it with the general, and I think that, you know, I come back to it doesn't really matter who we decide. It matters what happens on the field. We're going to win either way yeah. in some sense. We're going to we're gonna have a, a victory either way. Yeah, exactly. This is one of those because you, you've got no four left after this. Yeah. So whatever happens, happens. We'll deal with it. I'm going to say that neither one of them make the playoffs. Okay. I'm going to say neither one, um, which is going to be tough to say. I just feel like the schedule's too daunting for the Bills. Now, the Bills have beaten good teams, and they played really well against the Eagles the other day, uh, or last Sunday, but I just feel like there's too much. They've got to overcome too much, I think. Mm -hmm. um, and I just don't think the Browns have got enough offensively, and now the defense is starting to show some cracks in the armor. I mean, the, the Rams ended up scoring. Now, I know they got a safety at the very end, but it was like the, Bron the Broncos scored 27 against them. 
I think the Rams scored 27 against them before a, before a late score or safety or whatever it might be. So the defense is starting to show some cracks because the offense can't get enough going. So I think it's going to end up being both teams are out. So that leaves, okay, then who's in? Well, well, that's the hard part. That, that's that's another discussion. Okay, that's that is not what discussion. we're doing right now. I know, now. I know. I'm that, gonna say both are out. Okay, both are out. Let's get to the next one here. I'm more likely to happen. More likely to happen. All right, more likely to happen. <laughs> the Titans draft a QB next off season. Okay. Get one through free agency or do nothing at the position and say, we like Will Levis. And by do nothing, I mean for a starting role. Yeah. They could get another backup or sure, two. Sure, sure. But they go with Levis, they go free agency, or they draft one. What's going to happen in Nashville? Can the free agency, not that I want to poke holes in this, can free, free agency trade? Sure. Like free agency trade, trade kind of the yeah, same yeah. thing? Acquisition of a I veteran. Gotcha, I gotcha. How about that? Um, I think this would be the draft to draft one. I think there. This is a. It's going to be a pretty deep quarterback class, mm-hmm. depending on obviously who declares and who you know decides to throw a, a hat in the ring. Some guys that I thought would be in it, gone into the transfer portal. Riley Leonard from Duke. He's going to go into the transfer portal. Cam Ward from out of Washington State. Now he's keeping his eyes on the draft, but he's also in the transfer portal. So there are some guys that I thought would be kind of late second, probably more so third or fourth round picks, and day three guys are going back because we know what Matt Rule said about what quarterbacks in college football can get via the the transfer portal. The money's pretty good. So maybe they're not going to be as many guys, but they're still going to be Caleb Williams more than likely. Mm-hmm. He's not, I don't think he's going to go back. Drake May from North Carolina. Bo Nix, Oregon. Michael Penix, Washington. J.J. McCarthy potentially from Michigan. Those are five right there. Spencer Rattler is coming out. He's going to be attracted to some teams because of his just pure arm talent. So you're setting up to have guys that I think would be better options than Will Levis. And that's going to be, to me, the, the draft becomes, okay, do we draft a guy? Is that draft guy have a better future than Will Levis? Yeah. That's going to be a tough question. Now, the free agent trade question, I think it's be kind of gets to be kind of interesting because who ends up being available that the Titans might say, yeah, 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 that guy. Well, what about Justin Fields, Bears? Mm, no, no, no way, no chance. I don't see that. What about Kirk that. Cousins? What about Kirk Cousins? What about Kirk Cousins? Run it back with Derrick Henry and have Kirk Cousins be the Ryan Tannehill, but he's a better version of Ryan Tannehill. And maybe you put a little bit more offensive line help around Cousins or in front of Cousins and then maybe find one of the receiver. Now, all of a sudden, you're going, oh, okay. I don't. I, 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 I can tell you that. this right now. My gut reaction as a Texan, I don't want to see Kirk Cousins in Nashville. I think he makes them better. I, yeah, and I, I know they right. have a lot of other things to do, but yeah, yeah, yeah. they have an offseason to do them, and okay. big turnarounds are possible. Fully healthy Tannehill, fully healthy Cousins. Which one scares you more? Cousins all day yeah. long. I'm with you Tannehill's with proven that this, he can throw the serious picks. But when, you're going to have to put more offensive line help, and they spent a lot of money last year on it. And you're going to have to find another offensive piece, another offensive weapon, be it, you know, somebody. Well, they already have Tajay Spears, so I think they're good in the backfield. But you got to find another receiving weapon. Hop, yes. Burks, insert name Burks of guy always, Burks I feel is always like, heard. Or... I feel like free agency and trade is the way to go. Okay. I feel like that's the that's the avenue to take that could get kind of interesting. You know, they, they hit a home run with somebody that we're not even thinking about. You know, what about, 
I was throwing it out there. You know, a guy like Matt Stafford. All of a sudden, the Rams are like, you know what? We've had kind of enough of Stafford. We want to move on. We want a younger guy. Uh, we're going to look for And Stafford becomes available. Matt Stafford to Tennessee offense. Maybe. Okay. Um, Justin Fields, I would imagine, is going to be out there. Um, those those are the ones that pop, pop to mind right away. Is it wrong that I'm not that scared of Matt Stafford going to Nashville? No. And I'm not that scared of Kirk Cousins either. No. But I don't know. There's something about that. And Look, I'd rather have Stafford than Cousins, so I don't know why I'm saying that. I just feel like for what they would put together, right. Cousins could make a lot of sense. He All could. Right, let's get to the next one more here. More likely to happen. All right, more likely to make the playoffs. Let's go NFC here with two teams that are hovering and lingering and maybe threatening the Rams and the Packers. Johnny, the Rams and the Packers. And what's mm-hmm. interesting about them is they are both 6-6. Six and six. I guess Sean McVay is having fun again. They've won three games in a row. Of course, you're having fun if you won three games in a row. But I know these coaches are never really happy. And as far as the Green Bay Packers go, they've won three games in a row. So they're six and six. They were left for dead, but here they are making a charge. Let me give you the schedules here because this is a more likely to make the playoffs question. The Packers will have the Giants on Monday night football. It's part of a doubleheader. Mm Mm-hmm. Then Tampa Bay at home, then Carolina on the road, Minnesota on the road, and the Bears at home. That ain't so bad. That's not so bad at all. That's not so bad. And the Rams, Johnny, the Rams have Baltimore on the road this week. And it's a noon start, negative body clock, all of that. They're probably leaving for the game. They probably left already. I'm not even joking about that. No, they'll leave tomorrow, I would think. Then against Washington at home, the Saints at home, at the Giants, and at San Francisco. That's the Rams schedule. Looks tougher than what I just laid out for the Green Bay Packers. Packers. Okay. A, I think that schedule is tougher. Mm -hmm. B, Packers beat the Rams 20-3 to earlier this year, so they've got tiebreaker. That Packers schedule is so completely not, not daunting to me. Now, a game at Minnesota, you know, in the division. They always seem to win there when it matters. Yeah, exactly. Not scared of the Giants at all. How about the fact that we'll play on Sunday in MetLife and, and we'll get night. poured on and they'll play Monday night and they probably won't get anything. Uh, but they'll beat the Giants. You know, Baker can make it interesting, but it's at home. Um, Carolina, is that Carolina? I mean, nothing. The Minnesota game is the one, but I think they can go four and one. That's 10 and seven. Wow. I get them in. I don't see the Rams doing that. I give credit for, for uh, McVay getting them back into it. But they've got a East Coast stretch. I wonder if they're going to stay out in the East Coast because they play at Baltimore. Oh, then they got to come back and play Washington. Sorry. Yep. Um, that schedule is more daunting because it's bookended by at Ravens, at Niners. That's eight and nine, I That's think. Tough. That's I tough. think it's going to end up being the Packers, and they have the, the tiebreaker. So I think Packers get in. And how about the job that Matt LaFleur has done? And I was watching Turning Point, that show that ESPN does, yeah. I, which I love, by NFL Films. And they, they usually do three games, and they pick the turning point of each one. But they kind of intersperse you know, highlights and things, and they showed Matt LaFleur in the locker room. And you know Matt. Yeah. He's having a blast coaching this team. Well, it's finally a blast his. It's all his. Yep. Look, you love having Aaron Rodgers as your quarterback. But coaches want the challenge also. And this is a big challenge. And finally, Love is playing much better. Yep. The whole thing's going better. Youngest team in the league, the Packers. Wow. He's having a blast coaching them. It's fun to watch. All right. You have less than 60 seconds for this okay. one. Sorry. More likely to win a national championship right now, Alabama or Michigan. They're going to match up Bama or Michigan. Who's going to win the natty between those two? You do not get to pick the other two. 
Well, I think Texas is going to be on, on the other side of it. I think Texas is going to beat Washington. They just have too much, and if they're healthy, Ooh. they're great. Michigan, Alabama, I've gone back and forth. In fact, I was just on the phone with a friend of mine asking you know, that same question, and I went Alabama first, and I thought about it. I was like, you know what? It's the third year. If Michigan doesn't do it this year, and by the way, Michigan's about to pay Jim Harbaugh handsomely. I'm going to go with Michigan in this one. I feel like Michigan against the world, the Michigan versus everybody sort of thing is actually going to work for them. I think they match up pretty well against the Alabama I'm going to go Michigan out in the Rose Bowl. Michigan. Okay, good stuff. Coming up, J.J. Watt was on Pat McAfee. What did he say? We'll have that for you. A little sampling next year on Texans Radio. All right, let's go with the final segment here of Texans All Access tonight. And let's steal some, I mean, hear some audio of J.J. Watt on Pat McAfee this week. He's a weekly guest now, if you didn't know that. And, of course, McAfee asks Watt about a lot of stuff but the Texan stuff is what we like the most. So Watt talks about the Texans defense doing well lately. You go to the defensive side of the ball, you got Will Anderson Jr. with two sacks, batted balls, TFLs. He's playing incredible against the run. He's now starting to get the sacks to go along with the pressures he's had all season. And then you got Stingley, who just comes back. He's got four interceptions in three games. And those are two young guys on the defensive side of the ball that are playing extremely well. You got John Grenard uh, on the other side from Will Anderson. So I got to give credit to the defensive coordinator. Matt Burke. He was my D-line coach last year in Arizona. He's now the D coordinator there doing some incredible things with this defense. And I think you just see them growing in confidence as the year goes on, getting better and better. Uh, I've said it. I think that D'Amico should be the coach of the year. I think that you guys in Indianapolis have a guy who's also got a great argument for coach of the year in Shane Steichen. But really, really exciting stuff happening in Houston. And I think it's going to be exciting for a long time. Let's hear some more of J.J. Watt on the Pat McAfee program. And the young Texans playing so well. Why is that? I think they certainly have had success with their draft picks. I think they have got some guys who are special. But as you know, as AJ knows, as we all know, in this league, if you get put in a good situation with a good coaching staff who has the right mindset, who has the right knowledge base, and who can get that information across to you properly and get you to understand it and implement it, that's when you're successful. Uh, And this coaching staff, D'Amico, starts with him, and then it trickles down through his whole staff. These guys have the ability to take their knowledge, to take their wisdom, and pass it to the players in a way that they understand it and then also give them confidence and these players are just building that confidence week after week and it really really helps in the national football league when you got a quarterback who plays at the level cj is playing so early on and also has the confidence and the leadership ability to do the things he's doing not everybody has that he he is a special cat well since jj watt was talking about D'Amico ryan's on the pat mcafee show let's get into what watt thinks makes someone a great coach i think it's a combination of things and i think having the right combination is what makes it great so you have to be knowledgeable you have to be able to understand the game to be able to game plan to be able to change within a game to see you know play that chess match okay this is what they did on their opening 15 plays we need to this means that they're trying to get us into man coverage and see how we're going to make our adjustments okay now i'm going to adjust like this to try and throw them off you have to have that knowledge base to be able to do that then you also have to be able to give that knowledge to guys who may not have the same level so it's really tough for a rookie coming in to get settled in a new city. They're literally getting a new house. They're getting a new lifestyle. They're getting a new induction into the NFL. 
And then on top of all that, you have to be a motivator. You have to be able to pull the best out of your guys. A great coach can pull something out of you, can get things, can get you to do things that you yourself didn't even know you had. All right, there's J.J. Watt on the Pat McAfee Show. A couple more on the way out here. Brandon Scott caught up with John Mechie and asked him how he's feeling. First full NFL season certainly contributing. Yeah, personally, um, I'm feeling really good. Yeah, adjusting to the season and this being a longer season than any any I was used to. I'm in a good spot. My body feels really good. Um, I feel really healthy, which is good, all thanks to God. One more from Brandon Scott here as he caught up with John Mechie. And how is Mechie preparing himself for the New York Jets contest on Sunday? As far as this week and just things for me, I think it's staying the same. It's the same thing. I can't really control the outcome. All I can do is plant the seeds and water the plants and, and the fruits that will bear is, is up to God's timing. And, and as long as I do my part is what I feel like. I just got to put in the work every day. I got to make sure I'm always prepared and on top of all those things, cross all, um, crossing all my T's, dotting all my I's so that when my number is called or the opportunity does present itself, I'm able to make the play and able to step up and, and take advantage of it. All right, there's John Mechie in the locker room. Thanks to Brandon Scott for that audio. couple of things to know here. Extra points, Saturday night, 10.35 p.m. on ABC 13. It's going to be Andy Kalu and John Harris as the guests. Johnny's got the show tomorrow, but I'll be on it, of course. We'll talk about the Jets game. We'll have D'Amico Ryans right out of the shoot talking about what needs to be done in the New York area. It's New Jersey, but you know by now it's the New York area. It's close enough to Manhattan. Also, Texans 360 Saturday night. Shelby Coppage is our guest host. Also tomorrow, Dino Vasso, cornerbacks coach. Good questions for him. Derek Stingley Jr., AFC Defensive Player of the Week. Let's rock Sunday. Texans, Jets at noon, but a full show tomorrow night at 6. Have a great evening. Go Texans.